Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to the Nerd Party. There's a wind that blows in from the north And it says that loving takes its course Come here Come Welcome, here. welcome, welcome to another episode of Missing Frames. It's good to be back. We've been gone for a little while, not that long. I mean, I'm not going to lie. You probably didn't miss us, but now that we're back, you probably are overwhelmed with just insane amounts of joy. I'm your host, Sean Eastridge, and joining me today, a fellow nerd partier, John Mills. John, thank you so much for being here. I'm thrilled to be here. I'm thrilled that you're back, and I'm just thrilled in general. Because being tell. thrilled is an exciting place to be. Your pants are nowhere to be seen, and I know <laughs> well, for a fact that means thrills. Thrills, chills, and kills. And spills. And spills. Lots of spills. So, That's why I don't have pants on. It's because I spilled <laughs> things on them. There you go. Whatever floats your boat. But uh, we are here. Uh, I'm very excited about this. So we're a little late. I wanted to do another romantic movie for the month of love. So, February. of course, I was the natural choice. <laughs> yes, exactly. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Please put your pants back on. <laughs> but uh, we're, we're running a little late. So at the beginning of the month, uh, we watched The Notebook, which is one of the worst movies I think I've ever seen. And It sure seemed like it. Yeah. I, uh, I, I have to say I still haven't watched it, and I, I'm pretty sure you sold me on not doing so. Don't. Don't. You don't have to. So I <laughs> wanted to balance things out uh, with another romantic movie, and I decided to go in the exact opposite direction with a movie that I think is... Uh, very genuine and heartfelt and feels like real people who actually love each other instead of fake models who make me hate my life. So uh, <laughs> we're watching one of my actually, uh, I, I I hesitate to call this or to, to set it up as like, this is my favorite movie, but it's yeah. true. I am a huge fan of this movie. Um, I would go so far as to say this is uh, my favorite series of movies and, uh, <laughs> It's it's uh, Before Sunrise, directed by Richard Linklater. And the reason I'm hesitant to hype it up, because uh, it is th- these are my personal favorite films. Uh, if yeah. I had to rank, you know, they would be at the top. And I I hesitate to do that. No, I don't. I'm e- e- egotistical, terrible. No, stop it. I want it, everyone stop it, stop to it. hear my opinion. But the truth is, these movies are so uh, unassuming and so simple that to hype them up, as anything is doing them a disservice and that makes it i feel like i'm damning it with faint praise but the truth is these movies are so so carefree and so just uh so un- unpretentious well, in I mean, a way I, that i don't want to i, I don't want to yeah. give it this whole like greatest movie ever feel that that seems to be sort of link later's wheelhouse though yeah the, the unassuming film the, exactly. the low-key uh sort of thing i i mean i'm not terribly familiar with link later's works i, I i'm not gonna lie i familiar with him right i know of him and i think i've seen a thing or two that he's done but i remember uh, is he the one that did sfw 
back in the 1990s? No, was that I don't somebody think so. else? That's someone okay. else. But that's in the same sort of like he R- Richard Linklater was known for slacker stuff because he did um uh, what's that one? Uh with He's uh, slacker. Matthew- <laughs> no, not sl- <laughs> No, you know the one I'm talking about. Dazed and confused. That's the one. Yes. Which I did not like. I don't like it either. Okay. See, so, all right, which see is- that that's hopeful to me because that means that that your your love for this is if you can criticize the work of somebody that you enjoy it, yes and it's interesting you know dazed and confused is a very interesting thing i feel like already people are freaking out because that is such a beloved movie yeah. but uh and and to say i don't like it, it that might be a little strong i'm not a huge fan of it uh it's definitely i don't like it as much as everyone else seems to like it and obviously if i were to pick a favorite link later movie it would definitely not be that i would pick school of rock before i pick that and so, that's not okay to, see i really like to insult that's not to insult school of rock at all because i i think school of rock is yeah. great but it's definitely dazed and confused i think it has the higher uh it's more esteemed it has and, the bigger reputation and what what was great about school of rock is i didn't realize link later did that but the thing is that immediately to me makes me think oh, okay maybe he is a good director because ja- <laughs> no 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 I, I know that this seems weird but like jack black is one of those actors who uh he can do great things when the right director is, you know, shepherding him along. Yeah. When the wrong director is shepherding him along, you get King Kong. And when you get the right director, you get School of Rock. Sure. Or, you know, the never ending story three, which Jack Black was also in. I I didn't know that existed. Well, we got to put, get it, get it on the show. Isn't that false advertising? (laughs) The never ending story three. You lied to me the first two times. Uh, Why am I going to go see this? I know. It's not right. It's like Final Fantasy. It's like, come on, we're <laughs> on to you now. But yeah, um, exactly. So before Sunrise, this was Richard Linklater's uh, third film. Technically, mm-hmm. this is his fourth film. He made, uh, a, a, like, I think it was, I don't know if it was technically a feature. It was called uh, You Can't Learn to Plow by Reading Books, and it was basically just a movie about him living his life, nothing happening, which is kind of his thing. Yeah. Um, and, Again uh, in his wheelhouse. <laughs> yes. So then he did Slacker, which, uh, again, is I find interesting, but I'm not a huge fan of. Did you now? I, did, I did you have I did any? Not see, okay, I did not see Slacker. But what's interesting that, that you're telling me with Linklater, and I know that he is a beloved director, right? Yeah, is um that there's a, a guy I actually have his book from ages past. I don't know why I haven't thrown the thing out yet, but Lou Hunter, okay, uh, legendary like screenwriting class guy from like ages past, and. He his whole thing in his in his book and in his classes was you can't have somebody that doesn't do something. It's got to be somebody that does something. It's, something it's all about and drama, real. conflict. Right. Things you know, like you got to be out there and you got to be an adventurer or you got to be an alien or you got to be something like that. And yeah. Linklater seems to be complete 180 from that. Do you think that that's just because the sense of cinema has evolved or that people like Lou Hunter are no longer around putting that idea in people's heads? I think uh both i mean cinema especially going through like 60s 70s you're going in by this point and we've kind of proven that almost anything can work regardless of whether or not you call it successful movies can be made and make money that are unconventional and sometimes not even that good and uh Mm. link later and i he and kevin smith and uh even uh soderbergh they (laughs) <laughs> kind of all came out of the, that's for you mike Schindler. <laughs> there you go here on the third party network that they all kind of came out of like that late 80s early 90s movement of independent filmmakers and yeah. link later 
was directly you might hate him for this but i think he was directly responsible for kevin smith making clerks because clerks is a great movie i i love clerks too yeah my beef with kevin smith doesn't start let me wait hold on let me clarify i love clerks 2 t-o-o not clerks (laughs) 2 number two nobody loves clerks (laughs) 2 nobody loves nobody in their right mind loves clerks 2 but uh, there's somebody with a woman trapped in a well in their basement that loves clerks 2 and that's it she she puts the lotion on her skin (laughs) yes yes or she watches clerks too again oh god but uh but slacker uh came out i think it was 91 and it was mm-hmm. made in austin which was not a, a center for film at the time at all yeah. and Linglater basically just got some friends together and they just it, it's very similar kind of to what nolan did with following where it was like yeah. they just met on weekends uh and filmed it uh with with following and then Linklater was very similar and it it went far in the uh, the oh, like kind of the festival circuit and people mm-hmm. it started getting a lot of acclaim and a lot of buzz. I don't think it's particularly good, but it's definitely interesting. It's uh, basically one conversation leads to another conversation leads to another conversation amongst different groups of people. I don't find any of the people particularly interesting, mm-hmm. but I admired the f- the fact that he did that and managed to pull it off in a way that clearly people responded to. Would you say that he w- he's sort of a descendant then in a sense of Altman? You know, I haven't seen any of Altman's films. Okay. So, uh, because, but I, I, because Altman was sort of known well, for that. Was it Nashville that he did? I hear yes. Nashville very much like kind of an, ep- not episodic, but kind of uh, a mosaic. Is that the right word? Of just yeah. different uh, vignettes of people living well, in I the mean, city. I mean, even the original MASH. Uh, okay. is, is kind of like that where it's you're you know it's in Korea and it's a commentary on society and everything but it's not really that you know it's, it's not it's not what the TV show was which was right. like look at these zany people doing things while they save lives <laughs> you know like <laughs> yeah. it, it wasn't that it was it was very loose and Al- Altman's movies tended to be pretty like I think the player is the only one where he really and I'm sure that that there are film fans that are like, but I, I'm not terribly versed in Altman but okay. my impression was with the player was where he sort of like when Lucas was like I'm going to make Star Wars because mm-hmm. I want to do something that's an exercise in plot and like the player is the one everybody loves the player right right you've seen you've seen the player I haven't, haven't so I mean you it, should I, ha- I honestly don't think I've seen anything by Altman and I should you're absolutely you, right because I hear I hear in very interesting things that intrigue me about him so Slacker Slacker did very well and it actually got him a deal with uh universal for days to confused which was you know supposed to be his bi- his hollywood feature yeah and uh the experience was horrible for him uh the movie did not make money it was the marketing was purposely kind of skewed to just bury it uh, yeah. I, they didn't really understand what he was doing he didn't particularly love working in the studio system he kind of was excited about it but his experience afterwards with getting the film made they never interfered with it but it was just a constant headache of like, well, we don't understand, da, 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 and then a very clear disinterest in the film. So it was a negative experience for him. It eventually, you know, it has a cult following. It's very beloved now. Like I said, yeah. I'm not a huge fan. Uh, and then he, before Sunrise was his third film, and it was just kind of outside the studio system. He just had a couple million dollars, and he had this idea. He had met a a woman on a, a bus in Philadelphia. And that or, most it was, stories don't end well. <laughs> start that way. I Sean. think. Well, I don't think he was on a bus. I think he was. He was. He had taken the bus to Philadelphia, and he met this. He got off, and he was just kind of feeling like I'm in this new place. I'm. I'm kind of excited. Slacker was doing very well in the award, the festival circuit. So he was just very like upbeat, and he met this woman, 
in a toy store. She worked at a toy store and they were they kind of hit it off. Mm. And they ended up when she got off work, they kind of walked around Philadelphia and just sort of talked to each other. And he was during that experience. He was like, I want I want to capture this, this feeling of you meet somebody, you're strangers, but there's a connection and just that that feeling of elation, that kind of uh, elusive feeling that you yeah. get when you meet someone and truly connect with them. And uh, that was the basis for Before Sunrise. And he wrote a script and uh, he wrote it with Kim Krizan, who uh, is, whose work he admired and he wanted a female voice to kind of come in to play the counterpart. Mm-hmm. And then uh, for a while, he wasn't sure what to do with it because he couldn't find the right people. And eventually he got Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy, the two stars. And yeah. uh, they, it just, they kind of actually, even though they're not credited they rewrote his script and kind of gave it their input. He knew they were both writers. He was excited by the prospect that they seemed like very excited and creative about the mm-hmm. whole process. And um, it was, they, they essentially took the script and rewrote it, made it their own. And that's basically what happened. And before sunrise was a very small movie. It came out in 1994. I think it was uh, January 1995 was when it was released. 95. Yep. Okay. Why was, was under the, why was I under the impression this came out in 99? Because you are I'm wrong, wrong, obviously. Because okay. this is this is a moment that needed to be recorded. You okay. being wrong and me accepting and <laughs> just moving past it. You're most gracious, but being Sean. very happy that it was caught on. Uh, You're on, very very on, gracious. On the internet. If you don't edit this out, I'm going to. Um, <laughs> well, I know where you live. Uh, there yeah. you go. So, <laughs> so uh, but you know, the movie uh, came out. It, it it was like I said, it was about a two million dollar budget. It made around like four or five million. It wasn't a huge hit by yeah. any means. And um, but it it again kind of developed a little cult following. Now here here's a question for you. This is one of this is a fave. Sure. Right? You you love this film. Yeah. The whole premise of missing frames is you or somebody else has never seen what's what's gonna be up on the screen. Right. You've seen this, you obviously have a positive opinion yes. of it. Going into this, is there any more uh, of a nervous reaction? about me watching this absolutely this is i think i I, you know i showed et to Lindsay and brandon in the third episode and that was i mean et is one of my favorite movies but et is almost so popular and so like mainstream this i feel like that's such a pretentious descriptor but it is it it is it's a, a mainstream popular movie and i wanted them to love it i was happy they loved it but that was something where i felt like if they didn't love it i was gonna be Okay. If you don't love this, I'm there. There's no hope for me. No, I. Uh, <laughs> oh well, that sounds like an invitation to <laughs> well, hate. No, but this is a very. It's a very unconventional movie, and uh, with particularly this movie, I think says something because it is essentially two people talking throughout the whole movie. There is no pizzazz. Are they podcasters? Really, uh, they're basically podcasters. This right. is this there is the go. advent of podcasting. Is this movie? It's <laughs> it's historically why I wanted to have this movie uh, on our podcast. Excellent. To kind of, Excellent. Uh, because it's very close to my heart, and because it's a very unique movie, and there isn't a lot like it. Yeah. I I kind of I I don't necessarily know how you'll react to it. Okay. And I want you to like it just because obviously I love it and I want to. I want you to enjoy it. I don't want you to hate yourself, though I wouldn't be that no, upset if you, you know. did. But also, I, I think part of the beauty of this movie is its sequels and what they have to say about uh, So there's a before connected universe is what you're telling me. Exactly. Are there ancillary there comic are books? going to be crossovers and uh, a scanner darkly is eventually going to make its way in. And everyone's <laughs> it goes gonna animated be, for like five minutes gonna and you be, don't know what's happening. Everyone's going to be rotoscoped and it's going to be great. <laughs> but uh, before sunrise is... Uh, <laughs> 
Before Sunrise, it, it, it was intended as a standalone movie. It was never intended to have sequels. So it is kind of... Uh, it, it could function on its own terms, and it should function on its own terms, and the other two should be kind of taken as pleasant surprises. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's always a nervousness with showing somebody sure. something you are, like, totally in love with and not being sure how they'll feel about it. You know, right. I uh, I remember I tried to show my wife, uh, Sarah, sh- I tried to show her Seven Samurai, which is another one of my favorite movies. Mm-hmm. And about 30 minutes in... I could. She just wasn't feeling it, and she's like, oh, "I'm ready to. For, I'm ready for bed." And I was so devastated and so upset, and it was ridiculous. I I acted like a child, like a petulant child, and I kind of stomped off and was like, yeah. mm-hmm, you know. But uh, it 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 was so funny because it was just what I think. What I didn't like was there was a, a lack of like from the beginning. It was almost like I and to no fault of her own. I I personally was like, oh, you didn't even try to watch it and did it. And I felt very uh, high and mighty and very like uh, self-righteous about yeah, it. I've but you there. know, it that was tough because it was uh, when I think when you show somebody something that you love that you've declared this is one of my favorite things, you're basically saying this is something that is re- a rep- representation of a part of me. Right. And when somebody you have to kind of disconnect from the reaction emotionally that the person has because you have to remember, and I have a problem with this. You have to remember it's not an attack on you. It's just they don't necessarily connect to it the way you do. Yeah, sure. But, you know, a lot of times I've had issues where I've showed somebody something and they've been like, ah, whatever. And I've been like, okay, well, screw you. You're not, yeah. you know, whatever. And I, <laughs> you, you'll never get it. But. No, you have like a little mental checkboard, you know, or checkboard. Uh, you have a little notebook where you're right. sitting there and you give a little check mark and you're just like, Okay, this person has no taste. Exactly. Right. But like, do you have an experience like that where you like we're kind of in a similar situation? Tons. Tons. I, I mean, you know, it would be it would be to belabor the whole thing that like I was, you know, at times the lone voice in the wilderness, loving the Phantom Menace uh-huh. in my circle of friends. That was very that was very difficult because a lot of the attacks, because so many people associate Star Wars with me. Mm-hmm. They did get personal. Yeah. Like, I, they said horrible things about me because I liked it. Yeah. I was like, I just liked it. <laughs> but, uh, and I've told the story before, uh, so I'll tell a truncated version, but uh, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Mm-hmm. I mean, it holds a special place in many people's hearts. Yeah. You know, especially, you know, the, the nerd community, right? Of course. And I grew up with Star Trek II, and, you know, I still cry at the end of it a lot of times and stuff like that. And when my wife and I, Agent Bun, First started going, I was like, you've never seen Star Trek 2? She's like, I don't like Star Trek. I'm like, no, 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 this is beyond Star Trek. Right. And she took a phone call from a friend of hers during the movie. Hmm. And then she like fell asleep before the end. And I swear to you, it still ranks in the list of moments where I almost walked away from the relationship (laughs) because I was so, it wasn't even that it was a personal thing. It was how dare you show disrespect to a work of art? Like, I mean, you might as well go up and like, you know, it's like the Joker in the in the art museum. You know, where yes. he like starts painting on the on the Monet. It's like, what are you doing? Uh, but uh, you know, I mean, I I would say that there to to speak to your point of having to disconnect from it. I think that over time you do. Like I have there. There's actually one movie where it has so many positive personal emotions tied to it, as well as a love of musicals and especially mm-hmm. filmed musicals. That um, I take it very hard. I don't show it to people, and I'll, I very sparsely recommend it, but it's uh, Scrooge, the 1970 or 71, whatever, Albert Finney adaptation. It's okay. a musical. 
and it is an absolute joy. I consider it perfect. There's not a single thing with it that is wrong. Okay. Ever. And so I have a hard time even recommending it because not only is it perfect and wonderful, but we used to watch it all the time growing up. And uh-huh. I and one of the songs in it was like my dad's favorite. So like if you don't like it, you know, you're yeah. insulting my family yeah. if you don't like it. Yeah. You know, that sort of thing. So, but that said, please, everybody go out and watch it. Just don't tell me if you don't like it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, all right. So we, we've we kind of both talked about uh, yeah. how we feel about Linklater. Um, so I... Uh, I mean, obviously, I'm a fan. You are kind of you've seen Days and Confused. weren't a big fan. Uh, School of Rock you liked, which is very much not uh, School of Rock is really great, but not necessarily representative of Linklater. As that's not the one I would go to. Is like this is Linklater, his essence. Um, sure. But uh, so, how do you feel about Before Sunrise right now, as far as watching it goes? Like just disconnected from everything I've said. Do you, I'm I'm, I'm what level of interest? I'm intrigued because enough people have said positive things about it that I'm you know it's like oh maybe there's something there you know like I, I'm I'm interested I'm intrigued. It's one of those movies where I think that you could very easily say you know you always have in the back of your mind is like oh I should see that oh I should see that. And it's ten thirty yeah. in Futurama's on you know and like so you watch that instead sort of thing. But right. um, I, I've wanted to I've had a curiosity to see it for a while so I'm actually glad to finally get around to it well great I'm glad we can do this for you with that I'm gonna stop talking and I think we should just go ahead and get to watching this shindig sounds good now available to own on video cassette. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. All right, we are back, and uh, we just finished the movie. And first and foremost, for anyone listening, I I don't usually do this. I haven't done this on any of our episodes. I want to encourage anyone who has not seen this movie to tune out of this conversation uh, because, frankly, I I think this movie should not be spoiled. If you don't know anything about it, if you are interested in watching it, you really should see it first. And then come back and we'll still be here. We're going to be here on the internet forever. I'm actually never going to let Sean leave. <laughs> Tied He's to going the to chair. be trapped here forever. It's not a joke. Don't please. forget, you're here forever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, John, uh, so very interested to hear your opinion. What did you think of uh, Richard Linklater's Before Sunrise? Well, uh, we can- we walked right in here because my exact words, I don't want to. I don't want to spoil my reaction. Right. We try to we, we for, want to be for this the, cold for the people at home. We a lot of the times we really try to get to our recording equipment as quickly as possible. Yeah. We without we, saying anything because we want right. to kind of spontaneously react. Uh, if this movie, if this film were a uh, a person, I would hold it and love it and adore it for all time. <laughs> that this makes is, me so happy. This is an absolute masterpiece. Uh, I was moved almost to the point of tears several times. Um, I had, there was genuine laughter and I can tell you because you said this came out in 1995, I am of an age where 
there was a lot of it that resonated for various course, different reasons. Course. And it was, I, I think that it is absolutely brilliant and wonderful. And I know that that makes, I mean, from some, from some points of view, it doesn't make for exceptional listening to hear somebody <laughs> not have, I don't have a single complaint with this film. Wow. I don't have a single anything about this to say except, oh my gosh, I I can't believe it took me that like there were legitimately moments where I felt like I had traveled back in time yeah. and was experiencing something familiar again. And I you know, there you go. That's think, my reaction well, to this. Well that that I'm extremely happy you enjoyed it so much. Uh and I think that's what is so special about this movie. And as I mentioned beforehand, this movie you know, we obviously we know it's a trilogy, spoiler alert, but yeah. uh Originally, this movie was just made spontaneously, you as we were tell. talking about in the before section. <laughs> the before section, um, we discussed that uh, Linklater really wanted to capture that feeling of meeting someone spontaneously, yeah. and the feeling of just like just that that pure love you feel when you find someone you truly feel that connection. With. And that is precisely what he succeeded in doing. Yeah. There were there were so many moments where uh, you know again it, it resonated, but I, I felt. Everybody can remember the moments in their life where they met a person where in that moment they said there's something here. Yeah. Something is happening. And there are a handful of people. I'm married to one mm-hmm. where that happened. Um, and a lot of people, I mean, I, I grew up in a family where the the conception was that my dad met my mom. He'd never fallen in love with, like, it was mm-hmm. a very... It was very sweet sort of storybook story that sure. they, they gave to us. Sure. But at the same time, it, as I grew older, I was like, that's a bunch of bunk. Right. <laughs> and like the performances in this are unreal to me, not in the sense that I don't that, that, that I don't believe in them, but they're unreal in the sense that I forgot I was watching Ethan Hawke. Yeah. I forget, and and, I, and I'll, I'll double back to that. But to have a film that I know has been written beforehand and rehearsed and, and set up because you don't just tur- like, you don't just turn on a camera and go, you know, like, mm-hmm. yes, you can do that with films, but mm-hmm. it, it felt like I was watching real life. I, I, this, this was all, this was like a documentary of two people that I believed really existed, yeah. what they were experiencing at the time. And I realized after it was over that Ethan Hawke so many times in his career has given a performance where I've walked out of it and just he's blown me, but he's never one of those, you know, people talk about DiCaprio and people yeah. talk about Daniel Day Lewis and stuff like that. And maybe Ethan Hawke isn't out there, you know, putting on 50 pounds and playing Jake LaMotta <laughs> right. or, you know, as, as a retired <laughs> right. boxer yeah. or something. But this Gattaca uh, um, uh, training day, mm-hmm. all of these things. And this is another one of those performances where it's just it's mind melting. And Julie Delpy, too. Yeah. My word, I can't. I mean, obviously, I you know, and I know I'm like just blah, 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 jibber jabbering. <laughs> Please on do. I mean, this is like I have to listen to myself say this so often. It's very nice to hear somebody yeah, else saying it. I, I I I can't believe and the 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 camera work the mm-hmm. the the improv feel. I mean, it was obvious when they they met the two Germans that there was a little bit of improv going yeah, on there. Like yeah. the, you know, but that's what made it work. Right. It it sold the whole concept to and me. And you know, you speak of improv. What's what's shocking to many people about these movies is uh there while the, I I'm sure there is a little bit of improv like you were saying. You can kind of tell when it gets a little yeah. uh, but for the most part 
uh, Ethan Hawke, Julie Delpy, and Richard Linklater insist that there is almost no improv. That even the sure. the little the little twerk like the the, the perks and the the ticks and the interrupting yeah. each other and the pauses, all of it is meticulously rehearsed. So the fact that it's exhausting enough to create that energy and that spontaneity right. uh, in a performance to do it over and over and over again and like literally like you say something that is so stunning about this film and its sequels you don't feel like you're watching a movie you feel like you've beamed in on a place in time with two right. very very real people and it's right. it's that's not that's not an accident that's not something that just oh it the, all the pieces everything aligned the stars aligned that this is an insane piece of work to be able to capture a moment so transcendent but also to do it in a way when i tell people about this movie you can kind of see their eyes glaze over oh two two young people who are in love and talking to each other and for for them to capture that and to make you feel and to Mm -hmm. make you invest in a movie that is literally two people walking and talking the entire time is is astonishing to me that somebody was able to pull that off you know, it, it's what's especially interesting is it does exist in a time that's, um, you know, proto Seinfeldian. People got <laughs> used to the idea of the show about nothing, but only as like sort of like a riff. This is two people walking and talking, but there is so much happening Yeah, in terms of how they're interacting. And there are so many, you know, there are so many stolen moments in it. And I think that a film like this is especially critical Um in times like I, you know, I I would not be alone. I think in saying that there is an incredible cynicism that exists. I think that this is this yeah. is before the internet really came into play, right? And it's I love that it capture it 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 does capture that moment, right? Where connect a connection with somebody. Uh, a, a lot of I, you know, me growing up, uh, the majority of my romantic relationships were sparked by the internet. You know, it was right. like I could have conversations with somebody I just met and immediately take off. What what I love about this movie is it captures a moment where you did not have that option, where there was the possibility that you could meet someone right. and never see them again and never speak to them again. And 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 not only were you there in a limited capacity in a limited amount of time, but whether you had the connection was evident and. And no, and also right. no distraction. You don't have a phone where you can correct get out of that moment. Absolutely correct. And what's what's truly wonderful about it is what it really does recapture is a moment uh, like meeting my wife, right? Um, where we met speed dating. Mm-hmm. And I mean, seriously though, you know, a lot of people say, "Oh, speed dating," you know, or they say, "Oh, that's weird," but that is like that encapsulates this because yeah. even though it's a bunch of people. You have to you had to know immediately whether there was a connection, whether mm-hmm. there was any chemistry at all. And I don't think it can be overstated that so many wonderful things happen in that in a split second. Yeah. In just a snap. And the simple decision to sit down next to him causes all of this. Yeah. Once whereas it would have been easy, in, you know, and I, I know it sounds grumpy old manish, but it's <laughs> it's not meant to, but I can't help but think, okay, you're on that train and the couple's having the argument. You put on your headphones and turn on your iPhone yep. and you play yeah. or you go on Twitter very good and point. you don't move. Yep. That's and a, it's, uh, you're complete, that's a very, very good point. What, it's something, what are we missing now? Yeah. And it, it's, it's very, it is kind of sad that we don't get that a lot anymore. And, yeah. you know, I, 
I even though I said a lot of my relationships, a lot of romances I've had in my life have been sparked by in, encounters with people who I've met, like kind of maintaining that on the internet. I have. I, I have, believe it or not, I've been alive long enough to remember a time where Facebook still wasn't a thing. Right. We still didn't have a, an easy way to connect with people. Right. And like the way that Facebook and social networking provides. So uh, I I had the gift of th- that, that kind of spon- right. spontaneous relationship where it was very self-contained and you were very in the moment and you weren't sure what was going to happen afterwards. Well, even th- even think about this, taking it out of the romantic realm. Yeah. Right. How many friendships have started? You, yeah. Right. I have, obviously we're podcasting and, and you know, on the nerd party network, there are a ton of us who have never actually met in person. We've never actually yeah. I- existed within the same room. And I count some of the people on this network as some of the dearest friends I have in my life Absolutely. right now. But, but you and me all starts with who's this weird kid that's sitting over there? Is he a threat to <laughs> my hate, job? Who hates the Dark Knight Rises right. and hates uh, the prequels? Exactly. Right. How am I going to curb stomp this new hire? I have to lure him to out Edward into the parking lot. <laughs> yes. I have to lure him into the parking lot. Uh, but the but but seriously though, yeah. When you when you have that first initial conversation and you're like huh okay this person yeah th- there's that th- we could work this out you right. know like and and there's there's uh you know i'll, I'll make reference to um because you know you're friends with him too in person craig yeah who who you know we co-host words with nerds and everything but like he and i our first meeting was arranged by a mutual friend who you know and we've told the story a billion times but like craig's one of my dearest friends and uh, you know he had trolled me on the internet uh-huh. because you know he knew who I was and all of that stuff because I had the blog and all of these things. But then we met in person and didn't stop talking from that moment forward. Right? Like it just it was it was one it was hey this is Craig. You I was spent like, oh, a, a romantic Craig. evening in Vienna walking around. And- uh, we have spent many romantic <laughs> evenings in Vienna uh, walking around Vienna, Vienna Virginia. <laughs> yes, drunk. <laughs> drunk is a key here. Uh, we don't have to beg for a bottle of wine. We're drunk by the time we get to the bar. <laughs> but 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 I mean that that's the thing is like the you know the, those so many friendships. I mean you know what I'll go back to one of my oldest friends of long standing. Two of them, okay, uh, because I know that both of them listen on occasion, so I want to make mm. sure they don't feel left out. But um, my, uh, my buddy Joey, we were in uh, drama club together, right. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> but we were sent off on some task because, you know, we're, we're a private school and like, oh, well, you know, you don't have to rehearse your scene. You have to go up and help somebody. It's like that's just what happens in high right, school. Right. right. You like Star Wars? Yeah. Star Wars is pretty cool. But roll it back to to my friend Mike. Uh-huh. We have mutual friends. We're gathered in the hallway freshman year of high school. So you like the doors? Hey, I got a book you can read. <laughs> Boom. And, yep. you know, decades later, here you are. And, and it's. Okay, again, I know I'm 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 going on, but that's the type of feeling that this captures. Even it does, yeah. Even above and beyond the romantic, but the romantic thing to get romance to work on this level on screen, that and, chemistry is yeah. insane. In a way that doesn't feel pandering or it, there's not a single false note in it. And it's a right. very uh people who have complained about this movie, what little complaints there are that are lobbied against this yeah. movie 
a lot of people have said, um, you know, it's almost a little too like magical the moment and the evening they spend together. Complete baloney. I agree. And I, well, what this movie does very well is it captures that moment. And even if the things that are happening seem very idealistic, it's because one, that's the age they were, that's mm-hmm. the feelings they have. And I see every character they encounter, every uh, every person they speak with as filtered through their feelings of this is the night to end all nights. This is yeah. the big moment in my life. So everything is kind of exaggerated and given that flourish. Now, without spoiling anything about the sequels, the sequels kind of deconstruct this movie a little bit in okay. a way that is completely respectful and enriches each one enriches the previous one okay. in a way that kind of hurts you, but makes you appreciate it all the more. Um, but interesting. I, I don't want to go. I don't want to talk about sequels too much because I want you to experience. Well, I can them, guarantee you that I am going to watch. Oh, that's that makes sequels. me so happy. But I can, I, I can guarantee, gosh darn, <laughs> tee that. But the thing is, in terms of that, you know, quote unquote magical moment, I actually there's there's a, there's a night that I always remember nothing came of it we mm. didn't spend the night together no, nothing like that yeah but i was at a party at you know my my buddy was going to college up near near baltimore or whatever and there was a girl and you know i was sort of like well hey mm. and for so, and you know there was drinking and everything and for some reason at the time i was fluent in german and she was fluent in spanish and so we started trying to figure out what the other person was saying and we had this and it was fun, and we just had this conversation. Yeah. And there was a little spark there, and yeah, it went away. But at the very least, I didn't sit in the corner and wonder what would it have been like to talk to exactly. this girl. And I have this story so many years later to say, yeah, I actually had a conversation where I kind of understood what was going on, and I was speaking German, and she was speaking Spanish, and it was kind of funny. I have a similar situation, and uh, I don't know if I've told you this. Did I tell you how I discovered these movies? No. Before movies? No. Uh, it's it's a very interesting story and very relevant. So I, uh, the year after I graduated from high school, I um, I was living in the area going to community college and uh, the my old high school got foreign exchange students. And I was so upset because I was like, they never did anything like that when I was there. And this is ridiculous. <laughs> Why? That's not fair. But uh, I was so in, intrigued by the idea of meeting. I'd never met anyone like that lived that was in another country. I was like another culture people that like have no like it's like I, I this is amazing so i like went out of my way to meet these uh these austrian foreign exchange students and i fell hopelessly in love with uh, some poor girl who had to deal <laughs> with me pining after but uh it was nothing like this movie nothing like i mean we she could barely understand english i right. was too shy to really talk with her but there was very there was definitely something we could tell like there was something yeah. like regardless of how shallow it was, there was some mutual understanding and interest in each other. And it was a very profound moment in my life. A couple years later, I uh, got the opportunity. It it wasn't just her. I met, uh, I made friends. And uh, a couple years later, I had the opportunity to go to Austria with, uh, with a friend of mine and uh, to see this girl and see our friends there. And the night before I went, I uh, was talking to a really good friend of mine, Tommy, and was just chatting with him. And saying like, yeah, this is what I'm doing, and this is I'm so excited, and da da da. And uh, I I'd, I'd written everything about my encounter with this girl in this story form. And this is you yeah. know I'm, I'm into writing and I love writing. And one of my biggest things has been trying to figure out how can I take my experiences in real life and translate them into a, a narrative that would be interesting to someone other than myself. Yeah. Um. And you know I was telling him about that and how I was excited to see this girl and who knew what would happen. And he goes, that sounds exactly like Before Sunrise. And I say, I have no idea what that is. And he explains it to me. It's like before sunrise and before sunset, because this is 2006. And those are the only two that were out at the time. Okay. 
And he was like, this, it's this, that. As he's talking to me, I'm kind of cynically like, okay, cool. And I'm looking it up on Rotten Tomatoes because I'm a, <laughs> I'm a brat like that. I'm like, sure, Before Sunrise. I look up Before Sunrise. It has 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. And I'm like, uh, oh, I should watch this. And, you know, Before Sunset, I think, had like 95, 96%. So it was like, oh, okay. You know what? You know what's especially beautiful about this, about this conversation that uh, we're having? Is, yeah, we're talking about the film, but we're not talking about the film. And for me... That is something that really speaks to when a film transcends and becomes a piece of art is when you're not just yeah. talking about the film, oh, totally. but you're saying, yeah, I can relate to it because, and I can understand it because, and if I were to run across Richard Linklater, Ethan Hawke, or Julie Delpy, uh-huh. the first thing I would do is unprompted, give them a hug and say- <laughs> and big old kiss, and tap say, on the fanny. And say, thank you for making that. Yeah. Th- this- because Absolutely. I, yeah, no, you're completely right. It is an. It's abs- amazing. It, it it's it, that's what I love about the movie is it, it fires up feelings uh, in people every time I show it to somebody who really connects to it. Yeah, and I've been showing it to coworkers as I was telling you before the show, and I, I kind of passed the movie to one person who then passed along to another coworker. Once yeah. we'd all watched the first movie, or I mean, I'd seen it already, but we just sat down in a room together and just kind of talked about like that and it was just like yes this is what i love about this movie is that um but before i get off to, i'm, I'm going to finish the story real quick and then let's get back to this topic um, okay but, so basically i so the the next day the flight that was the day of my flight to austria okay i went out and bought before sunrise before sunset and a portable dvd player and i watched both of them back to back on the plane to austria and uh it was insane. <laughs> but then we also went to Vienna during our stay there. Oh, that's so I crazy. saw the Ferris wheel. I saw it, it was just like and we're with the girl that I'm, you know, in madly in love with. And it was just like this is it was so strange. That was my first viewing of the movies. You know what? I just remembered a, a memory that this triggered all the way back to high school uh-huh. is I was part of the speech and debate team. Okay. Shocker. Okay. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and we, w- we would go on these trips and we went to, uh, I want to say it was Villanova mm. up in Philadelphia or something like that. And one of the other visiting teams was from upstate New York. And there was a girl, I think her name was Julie at the time. Okay. But every time we were not in a room performing, because I, I was the speech side, debate. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody knows I can argue pretty well, but the, you know, you know, it it was the the duo interpretation and and stuff like that. And every time that we weren't in, like, to put it another way, by the end of the speech and debate meet, she was wearing my my sport coat, you know, and like we were and we we tried to talk by phone and and stuff like I think I still have like her high school picture or something like that. But you know, in, in like an old photo album or something, but I, this is like that, like that, that, totally. that again. And I know we keep talking about these stories that, that <laughs> it's funny. That they remind it's us. It's funny about. how yeah. this movie brings that out. Um, yeah. And, uh, but as you were saying, I, you know, I, we, we it, it does, it brings out those feelings. Like I said, sitting in a room with my coworkers and just talking about like this movie and what it makes you feel. And, uh, I, I want to, cause we've talked a lot about our own experiences. So I really want to hone in on the movie itself. Yeah. And there's a, so there's a moment where, uh, where Celine tells Jesse where she's like, you know, I believe if there's any magic or any kind of God, it's a, it's about this. Yeah. Not it's not in any of us, but it's the space in between with people trying to understand each other, which is a lot of what we're talking about. What this movie kind of inspires in people yeah. is to connect. So at what moment when watching this movie, did you feel that connection with the film? Like what when did you start to because, you know, the movie, it, it very you know it starts off kind of. 
you're meeting these people they're meeting as they're meeting each yeah. other so what was the point where you kind of started to feel the connection of like okay this is a movie where it's going to be two people talking the whole time and i'm going to be okay with this honestly the point where i first felt okay with it was uh in the very beginning the first time when the when the waiter brings the menus and it pulled back mm-hmm. and then it cuts to the end it felt like end date one date two yeah it, it was an act break and I, when they came back i found myself legitimately intrigued i wanted to know what happened next yeah and that's that's the spark the seal like the absolute stamp where i where this wasn't just a, a film i was really enjoying but a film that i would use the word adore uh, to to speak about mm-hmm. was when they were on the boat mm-hmm. and they had that conversation on the boat. That's where it elevated from film I really enjoy to wow. Right. This is the real. This this is this is. I'm putting this on my list of films that I think everybody needs to see. Yeah, and what I love about that scene, the movie, you don't really. There's there's no urgency to the movie for the for the right. most part. It's a very they're they're talking to each other and you're kind of just like this is great. I love watching these people. I lo- I'm so interested in what they're saying. I love the way they're connecting with each other. And what I love is they don't even think about it. And then that moment is when they finally acknowledge what's happening and they're like, you realize we're probably never going to see each other again. And right. suddenly the movie, you're you're interested, but everything is enriched and it clicks now there's urgency now there's it's a race against time and it's funny that the conflict of the movie comes an hour and 12 minutes into the runtime and it's and that's okay it doesn't matter but you know it does then it actually has that moment that it's interesting that you pick that because it's like it's the moment where it definitely starts to well that moment's so earned yeah it it is really earned but because it's you know it, it builds to that moment and in that moment is a moment that everybody can relate to that no matter what you're doing, no matter where you are, when you're having a great time, when you're having a special time, there is that moment where you suddenly realize, oh, this is going to end. Yep. This is going to come. You're at the amusement park. And you're having a great time. And then the sun starts setting. And the first thought in your head is, oh, yeah. I'm going to have to go home right. sometime. I can tr- I can stretch this out until the park closes, but I'm going to have to go home. Exactly. And, and it, it, it's that little moment where you have to make peace and say, I'm going to have a good time anyway. And in, in terms of capturing the moment, I have not shared this story with, with too many people. Okay. But I'll share it with you and Perfect. with the entire internet <laughs> right now. Um, that scene with the poet where he says, give me a word and I'll, I'll write a poem for you. Not exactly the same thing, but there was a girl that I dated that is the first girl that I could legitimately say I had fallen in love with Mm. in my life. And it was in college and we had broken up and I, I was despondent. Like I, there was that real connection. I was really unhappy. We, we decided to bury the hatchet, right? Which is, I mean, you know, which is basically like code for we're going to try to get back together. Sure. But, you know, you're young. You don't realize that's what you're doing. Yeah. Sometimes. But we we get together to bury the hatchet. We go to a coffee house. Yes. A, an actual coffee house in, in Fells Point in Baltimore. And we're walking back to the car and we're, you know, we're we're being very clear. No, no, no. We're not getting back together. We're not getting together. We're just we're just two friends talking, just two friends talking. Mm-hmm. And there's a guy who says. You know, I'm homeless and he see, he sees like the face. He's like, I'm not I'm not going to ask you for money. And he said, I, I'm 
I actually wish I was a singer. And he, he said, I'll, I'll sing part of one of three songs uh-huh. to you. And if you like it, feel free to give me some money. It was, it was, so it, it, was it was just like that. Yeah. The song he sang was actually Open Arms by Journey. He sang uh, two verses of it. Uh-huh. And I, went, I wound up giving him uh, like a five because I was like, you, you know what? You actually have a good voice. Right. And that was real. I, I appreciate that. And he said, thank you, man. And he looked at the two of us. He said, you two are going to get married. And <laughs> she and I laughed. We were like, ha, 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 ha. Uh, and then we got back together the next day. That's amazing. We got we well, broke up again, obviously. But, you know, I, and I love that. And I love I just love that this movie, what film does is it captures a moment. And I, yeah. I truly believe this without hyperbole. I don't think any filmmaker understands, quote unquote, the moment better than Richard Linklater. Uh, as this movie proves, as uh, the sequels to this movie prove, yeah. as Boyhood proves, you know, uh, it, it, it is something. I'll take he, the hint and see it finally. <laughs> I gave it to the, you no, this, two years ago. Yes, you did. Yeah. And it's still in the shrink wrap. But the thing is, this has convinced me i've got to see that now yeah i like this is this is um this is the type of movie where if i see richard linklater's name he did this movie yeah i'll give it a shot yeah and uh you know it's funny i don't think i don't think any other movie i i love boyhood and i love everybody wants some and i love waking life and uh, you know i'm obviously a huge fan but i i think the before trilogy stands alone even in, in his incredible filmography even against boyhood as a singular accomplishment um and it, it's it's amazing i mean it, it is a definitive statement on the passage of time yeah. uh ro- what romance what love truly means uh, i i go so far as to call this series maybe the definitive cinematic depiction of of love um wow and i really <laughs> it sucks again as I was saying beforehand, and I wonder if you could respond to this, I, I hate saying things like that. I'm obsessed. I mean, obviously, I love these movies. They're yeah. um, they're very near and dear to me, but I hate talking about it. And why I, I mm. try to convince, you know, say, throw up a spoiler tag. You can't talk about this movie and hype it up like this without somebody going and being like, all right, before sunrise. Oh, yes. it's so boring. It's Completely t- agree with I, you. I, I struggle to n- not... Oh my God! Freak out about you, this you movie. Don't, you don't want to oversell it, right? Because it's a movie that doesn't deserve that. It, it shouldn't be oversold. Its right. beauty is its simplicity. Same as completely Boy- agree. Same as Boyhood, and Boyhood had a very strong backlash uh, during Oscars, as most great movies do. Um, we have seen it most recently with La La Land, uh, where people have gone crazy against that movie. Yeah, people, for being for being happy. You know, uh, yeah, Boyhood please, Boy, Boyhood got kind of attacked for like uh, nothing happens in the movie, and I right. was like, that's the point. I I actually saw, and the thing is, I didn't like Zootopia. I, I thought it was <laughs> right. middling at best. But to speak to the ba- the backlash thing, I saw on Twitter somebody actually did, as part of the backlash. You know, somebody said, "I finally saw Zootopia. It's very racist," and I was like. <laughs> It's the most anti-racist movie I've seen yeah. in years. At, w- at what point? Does I'm it- <laughs> curious as to how you came up with that reaction. Right. But like, and this is not, this is not, it does not just apply to this movie in a vacuum. Right. But like with any movie, there's the danger of it's my favorite film of all time. Now it has that expectation set up against it. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's very real it's why when i whenever i uh speak to certain friends i actually have a pact with a couple of friends where all i am allowed to say is should i see it yeah you know like i and because if i give more of a reaction 
they know they will have their their expectations tempered or uh, you know, set too high or something mm-hmm. like that. Like if I come out of something, I'm like, this is amazing. Yeah. And that's why I try to, I try to temper things. And I, so I'm just saying that to say I'm with you on that. Sure. That I would not want to oversell this film because if I did, I know that I'm screwing its chances of being received with certain people. Sure. Exactly. Okay. So, you know, directed by Richard Linklater, written by Richard Linklater with Kim Krizan. Yeah. Uh, what's interesting about this movie, uh, Kim Krizan and Richard Linklater are credited as the co-writers, but uh, Julie Delpy and Ethan Hawke did rewrite the script and they're not credited on this movie. However, they are credited on the sequels mm. and uh, Kim Krizan is credited as based on the story and bef- based on characters mm-hmm. before sunrise, but she's not credited in the other ones. Um, Lee Daniel is the cinematographer for this. He did the first two movies and strangely did not do the third movie now are you familiar do you know anything lee daniel has done other than i'm this? familiar with the name he uh he well he's worked with blink later a lot okay and uh it's it's just so interesting that he didn't i don't know what happened i don't know if there's a story there but he worked on the first two movies but not before midnight now before, interesting before midnight does have uh kind of a distinct visual feel apart from these two movies but they all are very similar in terms of the walk and talk format but see that that's interesting to me because um one of my big questions when Interstellar came out was Fister didn't work on that with sure. Nolan. And you said Daniel usually works with Linklater. And Interstellar still looked and felt like a Nolan film. Yeah. Did that come across with Before Midnight? Or is there any sort of... You know what? I Unless you think it ruins it. If, I won't, I won't you tell you specifically. That. What I think is amazing about Link And some would, some would argue like, yeah, so he doesn't really do anything, which I think is complete BS. But yeah. I, what I love about this series of movies is how unobtrusive he is. You yeah. don't think about camera work. You don't think about what's happening. He is so good at recognizing the moment yeah. and just there it is and cut the way he edits the movie the way he shows he'll cut to a wide shot showing them like just in the midst of this beautiful city and knowing exactly the right moment when to pull back and like we've you know we've left that moment now we can pull back is is it's incredible filmmaking i think the best example of that that jumps to mind in this film is when they go into the listening booth yeah, because the camera angle switches to something that isn't really used throughout the rest of the film, and you can detect that that is the moment where they're they're both deciding, I'm committing to this. Yeah, this is this isn't just a fun thing anymore. I'm actually feeling experiencing something. Yeah. something. yeah, exactly. And you know, again, there there are so many just unbroken takes, like the scene where they first get on the bus, and there's this long. Oh my gosh, take of them yeah. just talking to each other. And I love at the end when he's like, let's get off this damn bus because you sense that's not just the character, that, but also yeah. Ethan Hawke <laughs> just being like, we've literally been sitting here and talking. You know, it's it's great. And uh, But there's so many moments like that where, like we were saying, it, you, it feels improvised. It feels spontaneous. And I cannot give enough credit to Ethan Hawke and Julia Delpy yeah. for that. It is an astonishing thing to, to portray life in a way that feels genuine without feeling... Uh, pretentious even that's yeah. one of the most shocking things these two people they're like two 24 year olds at like on the cusp of experiencing like you know they're they're open-minded and they talk about things that s- could sound pretentious if we were to try to explain it 
Yeah. And the, but never once do you feel like they're talking down to anybody or talking. And it's part of it is the nature of the two, the two people want to impress each other. Um, yeah. So they are very open and honest with each other. But it's also the fact that they're willing to like she's very like, you know, I'm I'm a feminist and I did da, da, da But she's also very w- willing to admit like, no, but even though I say these things, I want. I want that vulnerability and I want to feel loved. And right. It's not, it's the fact that it goes beyond just pretentious, like, Oh, ideas and da da da. The, as the, as, as the movie goes on, you, it starts with you getting the sense that they're both trying to kind of impress each other with like, Oh, look how yeah. smart I am. But the walls come down and yeah. before long they realize like we're connecting on a much deeper level and we're still talking about ideas, but it, it's beyond like, I'm trying to impress you with this cool idea I came up with for a TV show that is 24 hours a day and you just watch people, you know, it's now like, you know, I, I feel like, you know, in my life, I would rather do something amazing than be in a loving relationship. You know, it's like all of a sudden we're getting into very deep, profound territory. Well, and I, and I think at the core of the entire film is the fact that they're together by choice. There's no there's nothing in this film that is a cheap ploy to keep the characters together. Yeah. There's no big explosive argument where she runs off and then she comes back and says, yeah, I, I, I've reconsidered. There's nothing like that. And they, you know, so, so like everything is about a choice, which is the way I guess love should be. Yeah. It's the way it's it's all about. I'm choosing to be with you. It's not because I need to, it's not because I can't live without you. It's because I want. Sure. And it's, it's the way a lot of movies feel the need and it's hard. I mean, I, in my writing, I've tried to do this and I've struggled with it. A lot of movies are, you know, you get the script for this movie and some, a producer looks at it and says, nothing's happening. Right. People are talking, you know, it, it is a movie that is not conventional in the slightest. And as we said, the, the true conflict does not come until about an hour and 20 minutes into the movie when they realize like, oh, we're we might not ever see each other again. What are we going right. to do? And suddenly there's a ticking clock on it for the majority of the movie. There is no ticking clock. It's literally just enjoying being in these people's presence, like yeah. getting to be a fly on the wall and watch them interact with each other because this movie is about the of uh, a feeling it's it's yeah. it goes beyond just uh it goes beyond like you said just the cliched notions of it it's smarter than that it doesn't want to throw in a moment where like oh we have a oh i something horrible yeah. happened or i i got a call and my my grandma has died you know i have something. to make the decision whether to go see my 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 sick mother yeah, or stay with you exactly and yeah. and that's what i love about it you know the fact that they that Linklater, Ethan Hawke, and Julie Delpy were brave enough to do that. And there's a funny story where where uh, Julie Delpy um, they had shot, shot a little bit, and I I think they were watching footage. And Julie Delpy's like, "Oh my god, this is so boring! Like we, we we're just talking, and we've got to get someone to come in and write jokes for us, and just pep it up <laughs> a little bit, and just make you know nobody's gonna want to see this." And uh, Richard Linklater sat her down and he said, "Julie, I've been listening to you guys talk for like a few days now." And not once have I been bored. If somebody is bored by this, that's not my audience. That's not, they're not our audience. I love that. Yeah. I love that he recognizes that. And, I, and that makes sense now because you said before we watched it, like how unhappy he was in the studio system mm. makes perfect sense. Yeah. And it's, because that's not, the, that's, that's not his style of thinking. And that, that statement alone completely reflects it. Like it, it reflects a comfort on the part of an artist to say, if you don't, if they don't like what I'm doing, 
what we're doing. Okay. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. I'm not, you know, like that's, that's, you know what, that, that's the spirit of it. That's what makes it work. And I love that because it's also not, it's not a, I'm so brilliant. It's not Linklater saying I'm the mat, the, the genius behind this. He wrote a script with Kim Krasan and gave it to Julie Delby and Ethan Hawke. And Julie yeah. Delby looked at it and was like, frankly, this isn't very romantic. And I wouldn't say these things. And Ethan was kind of like, yeah, I, same here. And instead of being like, well, it's written and this is the Bible, you have to quote it. He, Richard Linklater said, all right, well, what would you say? What would you do? And yeah. that's why these movies are so special. It's a collaboration between the three of them, the three of them. And Linklater is just the one who's like, okay. And now I, I'm the one who's basically going to capture this yeah. and I'm going to capture it in the best, most effective way possible. But I love that it's that it is a collaboration and that he yeah. he recognizes that you need that input from other people. It's not a singular vision. It's part of this community and communication with each other. Well, for his films, you do. I mean, sure. like, you I mean know, with, other, there, you know, with Stanley Kubrick, with Scorsese, you, it's the complete George opposite Lucas. with George, you know, <laughs> exactly. But it is, yeah. you're right. There are people with singular visions and it works beautifully. Um, yeah. I admire Linklater a lot because of his willingness to sit down with people and say, if that doesn't work, let's, let's change it. Let's figure out what will work. Question. Okay. Because I know, I know we have been, gushing over this <laughs> just just as a final thought the one thing it it doesn't have to be the pivot doesn't have to be when you fell in love with it mm. the one scene that you go back to when somebody says have you seen before sunrise the scene that immediately comes into your brain oh man it's hard because it, every scene is just i think of the two of them just walking but uh the I remember I showed somebody I was trying to explain the movie to somebody and uh, they didn't understand. And I was like, just watch. You know what? Just watch this moment. It was the moment that I quoted earlier where she they're Mm -hmm. sitting down and he's telling her um, he's like, you know, I think I'd rather know that I was really good at something and excelled in some way than to be in a loving, caring relationship. And it's not because, you know, I'm insecure. I'm afraid of commitment. It's just that like that means more to me. And she responds by saying, I think if there's any God or magic or yeah. anything, the mo- basically, essentially, she's saying the most important thing is for people understand, trying to understand each other, trying to communicate with each other, even though it's impossible. The answer to just why we're here must be in that attempt. That's the scene I always think of. And then uh, for something more fun, the scene where they're talking to each other on the, the fake amaz- phones. That is an amazing, love. I think that that scene. sums up the movie that scene sums up the movie perfectly, but the scene I I use as like a prof, like a moment of profound where I'm like this movie goes beyond cute, it goes beyond romance to something way deeper, and it touches on something yeah. much more profound than just like oh we love each other and it's fun. Right. It's uh, there are a lot of moments where this movie will catch you off guard and kind of you'll be like oh oh wow okay yeah. all right great. So that's that's what I think of a lot when i think of these movies or the this specific yeah. movie now uh i uh without spoiling anything i, I <laughs> we keep saying that well without spoiling <laughs> anything about the sequels okay um i will say put throw these three movies into a hat and i'll pick one and that would be my favorite frankly they're all amazing for completely different reasons um now that's very intriguing because i can't possibly imagine a film matching this and Again, I don't, I I I, I, I want to go on record. I loved this so much. 
I may buy the three disc set. Wow. Okay, and I, you know I I'd encourage it. You know I loathe Criterion. You can uh, cut me a check <laughs> later. Thank you. I loathe physical media mm-hmm. as a rule. I hate it. I, I I went on a rant on we we have a little communication <laughs> network on the nerd party, and I went on a rant. It's all eventually oh, yes. trash anyway. Blah, yeah. blah 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 blah. <laughs> I want to see the extras. I want to see all of the stuff. I want to see the best picture quality. I want to see yeah. everything about this series. I'm honestly considering getting the set that makes me so that's about the best possible reaction and uh you know it's nice that even though i do have a gun pointed at you and have the duration <laughs> of this episode i feel like you're telling me the truth regardless i i, I feel like i love are. this movie so much it is fantastic and i am very pleased to have watched it ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> now pause <laughs> but uh just to, to give a little a little taste and to get you excited for the sequels, I will say um, number two is my favorite before sunset, and uh, it takes place in eighty minutes of real time. Oh snap! Real time, like it's two eighty minutes of them talking to each other. No breaks. They don't cheat. It is eighty minutes of real time, and it, I love it for that. And I love it for reasons I won't go into specifically because, like I said, do not spoil this movie. Do whatever you can to avoid anything. Um, the joy is watching them and experiencing them. And uh, what I love about the other two, as I was kind of touching on, is uh, each, if if this is the magic of being falling in love for the first time and being in your 20s and life yeah. is so wonderful, uh, they slowly but surely bring real life into it more and more as the series goes on. And it, it hurts a little bit, but it's it makes it, 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 it raises the quality of before sunrise in a way that I, I, I again, I don't want to go so like crazy, but like, honestly, yeah. the sequels enrich in a way that I wish every sequel could. Well, I think I'm just going to have to bask in the glow of this for a while because I don't, <laughs> I don't want to lose the magic yet. Understandable. I, I, I definitely do not want to lose the magic yet. And, and nobody, nobody did, you know, another funny story. So they joke, uh, the trio jokes constantly. This is the lowest grossing movie to ever spawn a sequel. <laughs> um, and, uh, when they decided to make a sequel, nobody wanted it. Like everyone was freaking out because fans of the movie are like, that's a beautiful stand. Like what you're saying right, right now. I don't want to, don't ruin, don't touch it. Leave it alone. You made a perfect movie about this one experience. Do not ruin it by creating something else. And uh, Julie Delpy's agent even fired her because of it. She was supposed to go audition for Rush Hour 3 or something like that. And she decided to stick around with them and write Before Sunset, the sequel. And uh, (laughs) he's Good call, Julie. Yeah, and her agent. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Her agent fired her and he said, you're going to miss out on this opportunity to write a movie Nobody and there nobody will see and nobody wants to see, and the irony is that personally I think Before Sunset is better. I think some a lot of people feel the sequels are better than the first one. So it's the Empire Strikes Sunrise. Exactly. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, then the question, the final question would be, what should our what should our ranking system be? Oh, you mean rating it? Yeah, like a sunrise. Sunrises are too easy. I, I don't care because whatever the limit is, it gets it. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm serious. It, it, you know, a uh, uh, hundred bottles of wine from a, a Vienna nightclub. Um, a <laughs> hundred Ferris wheels. A hundred Ferris wheels. A uh, hundred uh, random A hundred belly dancers. 
A <laughs> hundred harps accords. A hundred harps. There we go. Perfect. All right. Well, there. And I mean, I already gushed about this movie enough. This is ba- God. If 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 Linklater, Hawk, and Delby don't like pay us for this, I was under frankly, the impression they already paid us for yeah, this. By I was under the movie. impression this was happening. This, that was yeah, yeah, yeah. So there we go. So great. Well, I I'm thrilled yeah. beyond all reason that you enjoyed it. I uh, if you're listening to this and you haven't watched the movie, first of all. Why would you do that to yourself? Um, but I hope you go see the movie. Uh, regardless, we want to hear what you think about Before Sunrise, uh, what you think about its sequels, if you've seen those, how these movies have affected you, what are your stories uh, about love that have a relationship that has really made a huge impact on you. Uh, we want to hear about it. So reach out to the the Nerd Party at Join Nerd Party. You can reach out to me at Yay Shondor Man. John, where can people reach you? Uh, you can find me as Kessel Junkie. I'm on kind of a, a as this episode drops, I am actually taking a break from uh, from Twitter right oh, now. Well, good for you. But Kessel Junkie is who I am. Every I'm on just about every social network imaginable, even the go. ones that nobody uses. And um, yeah, you find me here on the network uh, doing great shot kid, uh, which, you know, is a film analysis podcast about the works of Star Wars creators. Find me uh, also here on the Nerd Party Network co-hosting aggressive negotiations, which is about Star Wars, but the really cool nerdy stuff about it and he's wearing a, an aggressive negotiations t-shirt right now and which, it's amazing which is pretty cool i i gotta say this is a pretty cool shirt um and i uh, co-host words with nerds with uh, my pal craig where we get into all sorts of zany trouble uh weekly and over on the trek fm network i'm with uh, mike schindler uh co-hosting stage nine which is what I said about the Star Wars show, Great Shot Kid, but for Star Trek creators. And we want to encourage you to go check out the rest of the shows in the Nerd Party because they're all great. Uh, they I, are. I love all these people. They're doing really, really cool stuff. Go ahead and rate us on iTunes if you like us. Five stars. Don't you know? D- even if you hate us, five stars. We'll love you forever. Hate we us. Won't, we hate won't us tell with, anyone. With five stars of passion. <laughs> exactly. Hate us on a scale of one to five. Five being the most hatred. <laughs> right. Give us that. Whatever you feel about the show, it's five stars worth of it. <laughs> Well, John, thank you so much for uh, sitting here and watching this movie with me. Um, I hope that maybe we can return to the sequels, uh, perhaps in future episodes. But regardless, uh, when you're ready for it, I hope you get around to watching them. And uh, I hope you people out there get around to watching them if you haven't already. Go do it. They're great. Yes, they are. Well, the first one is. (laughs) Who knows? (laughs) Who knows about the other two? All right, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Have a wonderful day. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.